are listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking all about affair recovery. If you didn't get a chance to check out last week's podcast on preventing affairs, I really encourage you to do that because I've left you a great freebie also at the end of the episode, or you can find it at reflectioncc.com, and you can start having great conversations with your spouse about preventing affairs or preventing another affair. This week's podcast, as promised, is going to go type by type through how people can recover, but first and foremost, we're going to talk about the different types of affairs and how to recover from those styles of affairs so that you have a specific game plan, even outside of your Enneagram type, to do this important work. And I want to let you know this episode is for you, even if you haven't gone through an affair, but you want to know how would that look? And maybe you will use it to help somebody else through it. Or it might even be that you've had an affair and you're using it in the moment right now. And I'm really happy you're here if that's you. And I'm happy whether you're the spouse or the infidel, which is the person who had the affair, what they're typically called. And then we also want you to know that what's really important is that even if you're the person who's had an affair and maybe you're now married even to the person who has had the affair with you, I am here with you to help you guys get healthy as well. And I think that people don't realize that sometimes this population can be judged harshly when a lot of people were sexual before marriage. A lot of people have baggage and trauma that you don't understand. So hang in there with this crew too, so that you can truly learn with us. And I'm hanging in with you guys, and I hope you'll hang in with yourselves. And none of us will carry shame, but just the sense of growth and forgiveness and know that Christ has given you grace and forgiveness as you get to know God and his purposes for your life. There is a freedom that comes with that, even if you've done things that you regret because you've forgiven yourself and you know that you want to get healthy and to grow. Or maybe you're that couple who have had infidelity and you've been tempted again and you've already worked through it and you guys didn't divorce. And this is just a great refresher for you. So I'm excited wherever you're standing today, I'm remembering that Jesus said, I don't condemn and stone that woman who had an adulterous relationship and was caught in the act even. So let's not do that either. Let's really open our eyes to healing and recovery because we all know affairs are not healthy. And that's something that's known in every single culture, time and place. But let's get healthy. So I'm going to be referencing again the book Torn Asunder by Dave Carter. And I highly recommend the book and the workbook if you're going through an affair and need some specific coaching on it. And of course, I love to say make sure you work with a counselor or coach as well because it's really important to have good support. Sometimes a pastor fills this role as well, but it's really important to have a great support while you're dealing with affair recovery. A really great quote that he has, an affair is an artificial world spun together by the infidel and their partner in an attempt to have their gnawing emotional deficits addressed. Wow, that is a lot to unpack there, but I think we're really knowing that after last week when we did our prevention episode that there's a lot of emotions and also with Enneagram work, I would add thoughts and instincts that can play a role depending on your type as to why you had that affair. And sometimes your heart may be the thing leading you back because you may say, oh my gosh, I could never break somebody's heart. But sometimes it could be that you follow your heart and your heart leads you astray like the Bible warns. So it's really important that you really look at your marriage and what's happened in your marriage or what is likely to happen in your marriage. If you're a thought triad person, you might say, I can talk myself right into an affair and into complete existentialism that all that matters is the experience. Or you could say, I could talk myself totally into the 
the instincts because my body is just inflamed and wants to be intoxicated by someone else's sexually. So you can see how this could go in different directions depending on your type, even the justifications of each type you can imagine. So with that being said, there are four different types of affairs that Dave labels in his book. And I think he's done a great job with all the couples I've seen. And I really love this way of delineating things. So we're going to go through them now. And the four styles of affairs are the one night stand where you do have that experience sexually. And it's almost that David and Bathsheba from the Bible where David is lustful. He sees what he wants. He goes for it. And there's initial grief. It's immediate. And there sometimes isn't much more to it than that. It's wrong and it's something that's really not healthy, of course, but sometimes it's not as emotionally deep and connected with the partner. It's more of just a quickie and it's not healthy and by any means and it can hurt just as bad, but it's definitely not as entangled, which is the second type of affair. And I think the one that we most commonly see in our practice, which is intense emotional affair, where they're starting out as friends first and then it turns usually sexually with the cheater's cascade that we talked about last week through John Gottman. And then there's a period of intense grief because you're now exploited, you've been found out, and now you've got to grieve this relationship that felt very good and it was a fantasy that you guys were living and you weren't having to do real life together. So it's a harder affair to break through and it's gradual and can take months even to come out of that numb feeling. And it's usually because there was this message of marriage that we'll talk about in a little while before the affair even started that also complicated things. So we really need to talk about the next ones real quick before we jump back into really getting into the etiology of how to recover from that type of most common affair. But the next one is the sexual addiction. This is usually the affair that fills the family of origin void. And it's really something that you guys need to address individually as well as as a couple. But I just want to let you know, recovery on this is part of an individual story because even all the marriage work you could do in your marriage and have it as healthy as possible, if you still are carrying an individual wound from childhood in your family of origin, it's not going to be taking the same effect. And you guys deserve that. Frankly, I don't want you to be stuck in passing this generational stuff on to the next gen or even for you to deal with it. So I'd love to see you getting your help. I recommend you doing some 12-step work. And there's actually an awesome 12-step recovery recovery portion of Dave's book, Torn Asunder, as well, if you're dealing with the sexual addiction. The fourth is the add-on affair. And this affair can be something we deal with commonly as well in terms of therapy and coaching, because a lot of the time this add-on affair is something that people talk about even years later, finding out about that they never knew their spouse was at a trade show or that they were traveling. And once in a while, they would get together with this person who met needs in a particular area, even if they had a good marriage. So sometimes that's really filling in a marriage activity void. And it's a longer term processing of grief too, because this affair is a longer term affair. So this is a good way to delineate the four different types of affairs. And we're going to mainly be speaking to the second and the fourth today as far as how to get through them. But don't be discouraged if you have the sexual addiction or if you have the one night stand because you still need this anyway. But especially if you're in the entangled affair or the add-on affair, these longer term, more emotionally laden affairs, I'm really looking for you to do some work today on this. And of course, this is just a splash into this topic. Dave's book or working with a counselor coach is going to give you so much more, but this is a great start. And if you need a longer term 
place to do your work, you can look up marbleretreat.org, nationalmarriage.com, because those are marriage intensives where people can get a good marriage intensive and check one out for yourself too. But those are a couple that are recommended in Dave's book and really have done some great work. And I've also heard great things about caring for the heart ministries out in Colorado. So there's a bunch of those as well, but I want to let you know, you can still do some work even today. You can start your process if you haven't yet. So you do need to make sure that you do expose the affair and that you do follow up on how you guys are going to address it together. Because one thing I see a lot of spouses do is they say, okay, I found out about the affair, it was painful, and then for a while they're frozen and they don't wanna talk about how it started because they're like, I just already heard about it, I heard a little bit about how it started, we're gonna work through it, we're getting over it. And this is really the person who is typically been cheated on because they're in such shock that their spouse could ever do this to them. So they just want to like, let it go. They're like, this is awful. I can't believe it. And we're going to recover and I'm going to let it go. So that's a mistake in the sense that this is usually, like I said, laden with years of stuff. And there's usually been a message to the marriage before it ever happened. So when you do that, you're leaving your spouse who's the infidel And I hate to use that word constantly, but you know what I mean. It's just the person who has broken fidelity. They've broken trust. And sometimes they say to me, well, my spouse broke trust with me way before this ever happened. But I'm just using this term to let you know that I can distinguish between the spouses this way and without trying to place terrible judgment on you. So anyway, with that being said, it's important that you realize if you're telling your spouse, I'm not going to give you a place to talk about this, and they probably don't even want it but you both need it, then you're falling right back into the pattern that you used to be in, which was secrets. So make sure that you stand in and may take you a while, but don't say, all right, I'm closing the door. I can't believe you did this. Let's move on because you really do need to know more. You don't need to necessarily know everything, but you do need to know more. And when I say you don't need to know everything, some spouses want to know every little sexual position that the other person was in. They want to know every possible issue that could have been had, every conversation, every text, and a lot of times things are deleted, but it's something that gnaws at them and and they wonder what happened. I just need to know. And I think knowing a lot of that is healthy, but knowing it to an obsessive point is not healthy. I've not seen that bless anybody. In fact, what I've seen bless people is getting their self-care. I always say that, but it's the first step to healing for the person who's been cheated on is keeping themselves refreshed and recharged because you're immediately depleted. Every love tank you've got has been depleted. Boom, 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 boom. It's like you just checked out all the money out of all your accounts that you've been building with your spouse over the years, or at least it feels that way at first. And now you have nothing. So you have to start taking care of yourself first. And you also have to start addressing it. You can't just sweep it under the rug nor, this is the second point I want to make, can you really expect that they're going to let go of this affair right away? And I hope they do. I have seen it happen. I have seen couples literally heal in one session, and I've talked to you about that before. And the person's been on Instagram with me to say, yes, this is me. But it's not common. You heard me say person. I mean, persons, because there's two. But I really want you to know that these people are the exception. They're not the rule. And you can do it if you're incredibly strong. This this is a 7-5 couple, but I want you to understand that this is so 
big. When somebody has an affair, it's a big thing that's happened in your marriage and it has a long story. So for you to just button it up and pretend that nothing really needs to be discussed, you're inviting that person to continue into this relationship with you guys. And let me put it this way. They've been deciding for many years or many months that they know about your marriage. They absolutely know you're married and they've been all this time saying it's worth it to me because I maybe don't have a good life anywhere and this is the only chance that I've really ever had to process love with anybody. And so I want you to know that and I'm not trying to sympathize overly with that person, but I want you to understand that their heart is wrecked too in some ways. And so they're already decided, even if you find out, they've already thought that all through. That whole risk has already gone through their minds at length and maybe not as deeply as now that you have discovered it, but they've thought it through and they're willing to fight for this relationship in most cases. I will comfort you to say most of the time, the infidel does not leave for this person but it it starts out murky and difficult. So you have to understand this person's probably going to fight for it. They've enjoyed it for many months or many weeks. And there was probably a precursor to it where they fantasized and thought about it before that. So like I said, sometimes it takes just as long to get out of it as it took to get into it because you're doing boundary setting for the infidel in that person who feel in love. And you might also be wondering, How does that infidel feel in love? I'm their spouse. We've done everything together. But like the John Gottman quote that I posted last week on the Instagram for Enneagram and Marriage, sometimes the marriage feels very dead before the affair ever begins. And that's John's phenomenal marriage work over time to say longitudinally, affairs don't typically happen, like I said, those those types that I'm talking about, when there was a healthy marriage. So I'm not blaming you for the affair at all, but I do want you to understand that when you think it's going to be easy for them to just walk away from the partner, what you might not realize is they're thinking already about this for years too, or weeks or months. You're just coming into it now, but they've been processing it for a while. They've been thinking, do I leave this person? Do I stay? They've been thinking about the kids. They've been talking about it with that third party and saying, in almost every case, I feel really guilty. I love my spouse. So you have to understand you're entering the conversation now thinking this is something that can be easily gotten over, but they're grieving too in a different way because your marriage trust was broken long before the affair ever started. And it might've been them that broke the trust. I'm not even blaming you. I'm just saying this is a complex system. So what you guys need to do together to recover is to be honest and to be open. And I know you have to fight to stay open because, oh my gosh, as a seven, boy, do I get it of wanting to run from pain. But staying open and doing this in small bursts is better because I know you can't do it 24-7. I'm already telling you, you've got to get your self-care when you're in a fear recovery. Emotional, spiritual, and physical every day, even if it's just for five minutes, that will totally encourage your spouse and you as they see you getting healthy in a way that they probably haven't been seeing for a long time, whereas the person they've been partnering with is showing a lot of health and vibrance and seductiveness. So for you to immediately start taking better care of yourself suggests you care for yourself in a way that maybe they haven't seen before. And there's a lot of self-respect and respect from them when you start taking care of yourself. And I also know there's this immediate tendency you're going to have to be sexual with them. Be careful about this step. This I've seen a million times is 
the person cheated on is like, okay, we're going to fight for this. We're going to get this through. We're going to, I am going to face it. I'll talk in bursts about it. And you can't help it really, but you want to be sexual because you want to reestablish the bonds and fight for it. And that's the immediate first step. If you look at Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and her grief cycle, you'll see denial and bargaining are the first steps. Why I tell you to be careful here is my sixth wing. I totally want you to make sure you have your partner get checked for STDs first, because I really do want you to know that's something that happens. And you'll know in your marriage what you need to check on, but don't rush to that step. Try your best to say, I want to be there for you, but I need to get some things worked out if we're going to even have a chance for this marriage to work. And one of those is to make sure that as we recover, that we're both healthy because now our whole immune system is compromised by this third party who may or may not have done this with others. Because let's be honest, as much as that person has a trauma backstory, perhaps part of it has been doing this with others over the years. And they probably would not tell you if it was the case because they're appealing to you. They're not saying, you know what? This is so wonderful. You're my soulmate. By the way, the last guy was too, or the last girl was too. So even if you think you know them and you're the infidel, I want you guys to get this checked out. And especially if you're the partner, I think that's part of your self-care is to say, I'm worth the wait. Yes, I, I want to reconcile and get involved with you sexually right away. And sometimes the person will tell me, well, look, I've been sexual anyway with them. So I'm not judging you if you want to be sexual right away. I just want you to know it's part of the process of connecting and it's an okay, beautiful part when it's the right timing. It is something important to a marriage. And if you guys are going to work it out, we didn't call this episode how to divorce well. People do that. And sometimes that's the plan. But this episode is about how to reconcile and recover. So when it's the right timing, I understand the beautiful. It's sometimes anguished, but you're lovemaking in an intimate way that is something that is real and raw. And I've heard so many people tell me that it brought comfort to them, but that they were still confused and processing and grieving. So I want you to know, stay open, work on your sexual stuff, work on your self-care. And then with the affair, try to find out what the message of the marriage was. Try to find out what was missing in your relationship that the affair was covering, because there's typically something going on where they're like, okay, this is where we aired together as a couple, and this is a need that was filled in my life. And you guys can start now looking at that and how to healthily fill that need. And usually the infidel is patient with the partner. They do understand. They've expected it, like I said, and they're like, okay, I know you're going to need some time with this. And again, this is when they want to work on it too. Sometimes they do. And they say, look, I really, you've awakened me Sometimes they don't at first, and then the person says, well, I'm going to divorce you, and then they're awakened. It happens differently, but I've seen it happen many times where the infidel says, I do want to work on this. I can be patient, but as we work on things, let's also talk about the why, not just that I'm a sinner, and that is part of it, and I'm not saying that is right. Like I said, every culture says this is wrong, but let's talk about why I would go to that extreme measure, and so that way you guys can really work on this and say, what are the deep things that we really need to work on? One of the things Dave's book recommends is while you do this, while you're trying to be safe and talk about the marriage story and work on what happened, that you make an agreement that for 90 days, the infidel will not contact the partner. I also like to add that I think it's helpful to contact the partner together in a joint email or phone call and say, we're not going to be contacting you. I know about this and we're working on our marriage. And sometimes the person will send another message. And I always recommend do that with as much integrity as you can, because 
your words will follow you sometimes to courtrooms and all over the place. So just make sure you understand, not that judges like to get involved in that too much, but understand that your kids might see these words one day. You have to look at them again. This person isn't safe. They've invaded your marriage. So be careful about what you say to them at all and be prayerful about it and ask God for wisdom. So first you do that. You say, look, can you give me 90 days to not talk to this person? Can you give us, can you give our family if you're deciding to work on the marriage? And I don't know which spouse will be the one initiating it. It might be the infidel saying in your case, hey, please give me a chance. Or it might be the person who's been cheated on saying, okay, please give me a chance. Now that I know about it, give me a chance. I've seen it done in both ways. And the person who wants to fight hardest for their family is the one to do that. So after they get that message out and the break is made, now it's time to have some accountability. So you need somebody in your life who is going to be accountable with you guys to this because the person who left the third party is now going to have to grieve that. They're going to say, as hard as it was to leave, it's even harder to have left and to now be grieving that person, especially when my spouse doesn't want to grieve it with me. And that sounds so ridiculous probably to hear that they would even think that their spouse would be able to grieve it with them, but they don't often have very many other people to talk to. They've talked to the spouse and they've talked to the person they've been in an affair with. So now they need somebody to process this with. And that's where a counselor, a pastor, a best friend who's really healthy can come in because they need to process it with somebody who cares about them in their marriage and their spouse can't do all that. But I do encourage spouses, as does this book I've referred you to, to really grieve with them about life and how hard this all is and the depressing aspects of this whole thing. But as far as the specific, I'm sad that I can't go on a date with them anymore. I'm sad that I can't see them. These feelings do arise and it's not best to process that with a spouse for obvious reasons. So I really want you to take that to your journal, take that to other people, but do take it places. Do not leave it. And I also want to encourage you to write a goodbye letter to that person that you just rip up because you've already done that with your spouse. And I encourage you to have the conversation with God before God in a letter that you tear up as well so that you can really be done with it. And I know it will still be white knuckling it for part of that time, but I want you to understand that's important to let go and to terminate that. And it's also important that you fill up with some things after that too, which we'll talk about in a few minutes of what you can do when you're now feeling like I don't have anything there and my spouse is mad at me. And now how am I supposed to cover this gaping wound? But before we do that, I just want to say one nice thing that I haven't mentioned yet about affair recovery is that you really do have a sense of freedom because the person has been carrying a terrible secret and it is going to be a nice feeling to get that out finally and to be free of it because it's been an absolute bondage, whether you realize it yet or not, it's been a complete bondage and it's been keeping you from your family and your children and your extended family and your work and you're missing out on life goals. So to be able to have that out in the open, there is a sense of peace and calm for you. So I'm super happy that you have that and I want you to understand that's part of it. And if you need a bridge for a little while of a medication in this case, like I said last week, to get you through as well, as long as you're not getting something addictive, that's perfectly understandable because 
here you've been covering with this childhood magic. Oh, I'm just fine and we're great and we have this fantasy and this is covering all the real problems in my life and now that's ripped away. I know you're sitting there in pain and I know now your spouse is sitting in pain so the both of you can really decide, okay, at least we know now and the other person usually knew something was wrong. So there's a sense of peace in breaking off this relationship that was unhealthy with a person you really can't trust, even though I know you think you can, it's really not a healthy, safe person who would have an affair with you. So as much as you may love them and feel for them, I want you to understand there is a blessing that comes in cutting it off too, in the sense that you're trying to live with people who you can trust and your spouse is a really good place to start for that. So there's something freeing about that too. And you can still be kind. You don't have to be nasty about it. I know sometimes the other spouse wants you to be, and I want you to make sure that you guys decide together. But these people are all people of God and with their traumas, with their sins, they don't have to be called names. They don't have to be hated. They just have to be separated completely. And the goodbyes need to be said. And if after the 90 days you've worked so hard and you guys have done such a good job and now you've had some time to really breathe and see what happens and you, if you still don't want your marriage, then that's up to you guys. It's always up to you guys. But I always tell people, gosh, if this person isn't even willing to wait 90 days to see if your family is worth it, that's really sad. But I'm hoping you just take the 90 days as a period of knowing these first 90 are going to be tough. This is when we're going to be doing some of our grittiest work, even though the work will continue for a long time and through every year anniversary as you grieve Christmas. And, you know, there's just different things each holiday will bring or birthday or anniversary or times when each of you are dealing with different complex feelings, but the first few months are the hardest. So I hope once you get through them, you're just done and you don't need to check in with that person again because you're like, wow, I have my life back. I have my family back and I would never compromise that again. And that person too may say, okay, I'm done. You woke me up too. Or your spouse may be the one to say, if at the end of the 90 days, you do make contact with them again, now it's really over. So you guys can process that, but I do recommend you to take that 90 days. I do recommend you to think on the positives. And then, like I said, I would give you something for what to do. Make sure that you replace it with some sort of a displacement where you do something else to distract. Maybe you start a hobby or sport, or you start to get involved with something different at your church with your spouse that's going to take some time. At any rate, I want you to really dig into something else that can help to take this distraction from you that was unhealthy. And you can also, like I said, journal and write, and that'll help you get your feelings into the adult realm and out of that childhood magic. And then write that goodbye letter and feel free to process that depression with somebody else and some of it with the spouse, like I said. And then for the spouse who is grieving, I want them to get not only their self-care and to be doing some of these steps with you, but I want them to be able to make sure to take time to process who they share it with. I want them to be able to say, I have some people that I really know I need to share it with, like my best friend and maybe one of our children who found out or it's really obvious and we need to have some boundaries with that person because often they're family friends. So I think that you need to take time as a family and as individuals to see who do I need to process this with and what would be the most healthy for us. And then don't forget the serenity prayer because God is going to get you guys through this where you're really asking him to help you to change what you can and to let him do the rest of the work because you can only do your best. So I want to go through now that we've talked about each of the different types of affairs, things that both of you can do. 
I want you guys to understand that those are just the initial steps. Those are really good steps for the first 90 days or so as you're processing and deciding what needs to be shared and what each need to hear and how to say goodbye and how to have accountability and how much you want to be checking each other's phones and just all of these big things that you're going to be doing, I want you to know now it's going to be time to start really building into the marriage with, I always recommend my Relate and Release marriage workbooks. You can start in other places to favorite authors you have, but I love my workbooks in the sense that I've gathered the marital research from all over and I've put them together in eight-week packages where you just really go ahead and start going after things week by week, chapter by chapter. And you can find the links to those on my website or at my Instagram in my bio, but I'm telling you that because I don't want your whole life to be centered around a fair recovery. I want you guys to find that message in the marriage and now address it with either the relate program or the release program or just my type. Whatever it is, I want you to have a chance to really now build in and build back your marriage back up. So these date nights, these times together, these restful places that I've been talking about in this podcast are all so important. So now you're on that and now you guys are really moving up and learning together and really feeling so gratified because now you have a resurrected marriage that is so much better than it was before the affair ever started. Now you've walked through trauma and grief together and as hard as it's been, you've understood more, you've grappled together with what's different about that person than yourself and you've tried to be the best of yourself. You've also grieved it because let's face it, you you can't be that person. You don't want to be that person. That's not you. And last week I said, you've got to start realizing that the person that you were having the affair with is A, not trustworthy, and B, they also have a very negative place they go to in their Enneagram number. So make sure as you're trying to process what you don't like about them so that you can get out of the mindset if you're the infidel of, wow, I really miss this person, that you really do take some time to say, wow, this is them at their worst, and that's really not who I would ever want to be with. I'm so thankful for my spouse. My spouse is doing everything they can to keep our family together this is the person that I want to spend my life with. So I think it's really important that you do all that work. And we'll go through a few tips for each Enneagram type now in particular as well, because as you're doing all this work, let's look at how you particularly as a type can do yours. So for ones, oftentimes, if you're the one that cheated, it's because you're in your negative four place of the grass is greener on the other side. And also the anger has been unprocessed. So you've had a lot of anger that you haven't owned. And it's important to say, I've been angry a long time, maybe before this marriage ever started, but also when I feel like my spouse isn't considerate of my needs and this other person was. So I need you guys to do that particular work of realizing, especially for ones, being with your family is right being with your family is good. Telling the truth is good. Telling lies is bad. And I don't want you to think you're bad, but I want you to understand that there are some moral standards in our world. Like I said, I don't know of a culture that thinks that it's healthy. So I think that it's really important for you to really, this is a place where you can really lean on your ethics and your morals to get you out of things. And then also to say, hey, I am going to address my anger, but I'm also going to have some body outlets for it so that I'm not blaming all my anger on my spouse. Because let's not mistake that ones seeing error everywhere need to tell their spouse every little thing that makes them bothered, or we would never have a pleasant conversation, which is why we've had so many podcasts about the ones running from home saying, and I'm not talking about my podcast, others I've listened to and clients where the person runs in and says, hey, why are the cupboards a mess? Why are These are things my one husband has learned over the years too, that 
Your gift is processing and it's looking at details, but it isn't just to be angry. It's to get that body work out and it's to also say, okay, what is good about my spouse? Even if I have to take a few minutes, what are 10 or 12 things that I love about my spouse? Even if I have to think about them from somebody else's perspective, because I'm so mad right now. Twos, it's so important to identify your own feelings and not just let others lead you. I know you really do often do what others need or want and you feel that. And so getting into an affair for you might've looked like that where you were really aware of others' needs and how you could help them. And your own spouse may be not as good at giving as you are in your own view. And you've got to remember that they have a different gift than you in most cases. They're not necessarily twos or givers, but they do balance you out and give you good things. And they they all do. So make sure you look at the Enneagram types very carefully as to the other person's type and what they don't give and look at your spouse to what they do give. And I want you to understand that you're worth it because a lot of twos don't know how worth it they are. And they, a lot of times, are the ones putting up with an affair where they're like, well, I'm willing to forgive and forget very quickly. And so I'm kind of talking to you even more than others when I said earlier, make sure you really address the affair and set your boundaries and stand tall and get your self-care. Type threes, I'm similarly saying that to you as well, because you guys, as I've said before, are the secret romanticists of the Enneagram. And I've seen you guys get cheated on a lot. A lot of people say they, in our surveys, they said our threes were cheating, but I saw you guys get cheated on a lot over the years. And that's because you guys, uh, I don't know the because actually, but that's a lot of the times happening when people are not feeling that you're soft with them and vulnerable. But it's, you know, it's their own stuff sometimes too. And what I'm seeing from you guys is you need to make sure you stand up for yourself and your worth. You are so worth it. You don't have to work harder to be worth it. You're already worth it. So just remember that and try to get your self-care every single day and set your boundaries with what you will and won't accept. And remember, you can do it on your own. You're an amazing worker in person and you can do this without them if they won't change and get out of that affair. Four, I want you to know, and if it is you three that's in the affair, I want you to understand you guys are very good at starting relationships and not always as good at finishing them. So this is important for you to realize, hey, you're really good at work, but learning to be a family person and tolerate family and discomfort and not just check out into your phone, these are important lessons for you. Fours, I want you to take a look at, uh, as we said to ones, that the grass is not greener on the other side. And remember that your identity is not found in another person. It's found in you and in God. And you are good just the way you are. You are beloved and you bring beauty and goodness to the world. And the way you see the world with your sad, painful view is also beautiful because we need to be reminded of those things. But we also need you to get your self-care and body work as well because you cannot live there all the time. It is very toxic for you and it's gonna either cause your spouse to not feel safe with you and maybe be the one to step out or it's gonna cause you to say, wow, I have to look outside of myself for comfort and stability and my spouse isn't doing it. So be aware that it is your work to do to take care of you and let your spouse know your feelings are important to you, but balance them out with your thoughts and your instincts so they're not everything. Don't let those feelings lead. Five, so I want your emotions to allow, I want you to make some space for your emotions so they actually can infiltrate into your life so you can allow them to guide you when you are feeling like your spouse is doing something they shouldn't be. A lot of the time fives will see cues, but they're tired. They don't want to look. 
They don't want to investigate this particular because it's emotional. And so they'll keep investigating knowledge-based things and they won't look very closely or they might not put very much into their marriage. So when you're recovering from an affair, it's so important that you do invest the time and energy in those spurts. It's so important that you do understand that living in your own fantasy life with your own affairs can be very toxic for you too. And your spouse has a heart and feelings, even if you don't always access yours, you really need to understand they do. And to try to integrate your body with body work, your heart with feelings, even if it takes you a few days to get there. And of course your thoughts, but really turning your thoughts on their head sometimes and saying, I do have enough resources. I do love my spouse. I do love my commitments. It's not easy and I need balance, but this is a really good thing. And it's a safe thing for me in the anxiety triad. So I really want you to understand and address your anxiety in all of this. That's the same thing I'm going to say to sixes about anxiety. Your anxiety is more overt. And the more you have security in God, the less you're going to be looking for that ultimate security in somebody else. So after you're recovering from an affair or your spouse's, so important for you six is to connect with God and healthy people, not unhealthy people who you think might be healthy and go into the counterphobic six where you're really rebellious against all trusted figures in your life, but where you really start to say, okay, not only am I going to work on trusting myself more and not feel like I have to rely on somebody else to meet every need, I'm going to trust God more and I'm going to get more self-care so that I don't feel like I have to latch on to somebody else if my spouse isn't there for me, or even if it is my spouse and they've cheated, I want you to set some boundaries with them so that they don't think they can maintain both relationships at once because that happens. A lot of the time people are like, oh, my spouse is not fine with it, but they're really letting me get away with it. And this is how we're holding up the marriage. And you'd be surprised how much that happens. So be careful sixes of ever doing that in all types. Sevens, I want you to understand that we know that you only feel your feelings sometimes half feelings. I get that. I'm a seven. But I want you to understand that if you've had an affair with somebody else, your spouse can't just get over it really quickly. They can't just have you go to one and stress and yell at them and say, this is why I had this backstory and here's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. I'm going to love you so well. You have to sit with it. You have to sit with it time and again and really process what happened. And I know that's very painful and very to you seemingly unnecessary in your survival mode, but it is necessary and you will both be better off and you will be more truly freed from the infidelity when you take the time to look backwards, which I know you're a forward thinker. So looking backwards and saying, what role did we each contribute here? What can I do differently? How can I connect with God safely if maybe I feel I've been writing my own ticket as a seven and don't feel like anyone would really meet my needs or take care of me anyway, except maybe that person for a little while in that fantasy world. I really want you to really take it to God and understand that God will meet your needs above and beyond any spouse. So that's the direction I want you to face. And also facing those feelings will help you not to feel the need to be quite so gluttonous. Eight, we're going to start with gluttony too, because you guys really do love your passions and not always filled up or satiated as easily. And so that lustful quality can make you actually really want something outside of your marriage to satisfy and satiate when your spouse doesn't meet those big needs you have. So remember, you have a different gift than your spouse and they stabilize you in a different way. So try to remember that when they're not able to give in all the ways you wanted them to give, there are other places and ways for you to grow and you are a helper as well. So I want you to focus in on your helper angle and for you to make sure that you show a lot of love to others and get involved in things. If I'm talking about to anybody about displacing, I'm talking to eights. You guys are going to need to displace the affair with other good things. Fill up, get yourself tired till you go back into five mode. 
lick your wounds. If your spouse is the one that cheated on you and you are deciding to stay in this marriage, here's my word. Don't make them pay for it forever. Yes, you have to process through your grief together, but with that revenge personality, I need you to understand that is not going to be helpful or healthy. It's going to be toxic long-term. So even though it's okay to say, here, let's grieve this, and I'm still frustrated and I'm angry and we need to talk about this from time to time, don't expect your spouse to do emotional root canals every day. After the first month or two, you guys are already going to be wiped out and exhausted. And like I said, that first 90 days is hard enough. So after that, I want you to start to the best of your abilities. When touch points happen, yes, it's okay to say I'm just triggered again, but it's really important for you guys to move forward and keep the trust as open as possible now because there's going to be a need to rebuild trust. And that's so important for every type. Nines, I want you guys to really look at your body work as part of your entire healing process because I know you stuff things down and it takes you a long time to process things. And a lot of the time you don't feel it's worth it because you're like, I already know how that's going to end. And even though you're very sweet and peaceful, there's also sometimes a sarcasm to nines in a long memory. So I do need you to understand speaking the healthy narrative over this whole story and getting in your body work is going to be very key for a nine because you guys are going to need to say, okay, there was a story before the affair ever started. Here's our roles in it. Here's what I need to say. If I need to ask questions, I think nines are some of the people I worry about not asking enough or not necessarily setting themselves up for success and it not happening again. So make sure that if you were cheated on that, you really stand and get your voice heard. It's important. I know it's hard. I know sometimes your spouse will not hear it. And sometimes you're matched with the three because that's the most common pairing recently. The black Enneagram awesome IG page shared that that was her study findings and I've seen it too. So when the three gets harsh, you retreat and whatever your type is, um, your spouse's type is, I want you to make sure that you stand strong and tall and that you you show some power moves too. You don't have to just lurch back in the corner and say, it's okay, it's okay. Let's just forget this ever happened. You're worth it. You will find the energy for it. You nines have a lot of stored up energy actually. So I know you can get through it. And then the nines I've seen cheating often are not at all connected with their body. So it comes in on both sides where they also need their body work and to start loving themselves and their body more because a lot of times they really separate themselves from their body to have the affair. They're looking for some need to be met. It isn't met and they're not honoring their own body either. So make sure you get checked for STDs. Make sure you are working out. Make sure you are holding boundaries and being careful and really loving yourself and others well nines because we don't want you to just merge with people it's not going to serve any of you because then we know you're going to narcotize out to food or shows and you're not living at all anywhere close to god's best for you so this is so important for each of these types and i know there's so many more things we could cover with this topic and even with regards to people saying okay well what about my subtype so you're going to have to do some of this work on your own or with your coach but this is my joy to talk with you about this and so the last thing i want to leave you all with is please don't forget to address the marriage why. I feel like that's the one place we didn't cover in detail here. And I got so many wonderful stories on IG. And I thank you so much for sharing your hearts. But people said sometimes they were working late a ton and sometimes communication and respect were low and they felt unheard and unwanted. And sometimes there was just people who weren't opening up to each other anymore, or they were feeling like infidelity really took over. A lot of men were struggling with pornography. And I just want you guys to address this so it doesn't continue to be a difficult place for you. I know that when you really go back into the marriage story on the what happened and how did we get here, it's great. It's hard, but it's great because now you find out 
there's a way to heal it. All of these things have things you can actually tangibly do differently. So make sure you stay close to our weekly emails as we get them out to you and try to really, as best as I can, working part-time, try to make sure that I'm honoring to my family as I share out this research that we've compiled and that I've been doing for years. And I'm so thankful for all the many, many, many marriage helpers out there doing work every day and research, as well as the clinicians doing the work and the pastors doing the work. Thank you guys so much, especially to you guys who have walked through affairs. I just have such admiration and love and respect for you because I know that is so hard and not at all easy to walk through this and try to heal. So know that my prayers are with you and we just are so impressed by your ability to care for your family and your desire to just create a great legacy for them, a legacy of change. Most of the time in these cases, you've had it where you didn't have a great situation growing up and you're trying to do better than what you had. So remember that's not easy and remember that we totally respect and love you for all the great work you're doing. Even if you get to the end of the day and you've tried your absolute hardest and your spouse is still really stuck with you. I just want you to know I'm truly, truly grateful and I'm truly, truly in admiration for all you're doing. So great job. I hope you guys have a great week. Grab our freebie. Next week, we are talking about Enneagram 5s. Yay, we are leaving this hard topic. I told you this was going to be a toughie, but it's so good to see people getting healthy and healing. So it was really good too. And I hope it brings a lot of health and healing to you. And I look forward to talking about fives with you guys next week. Bye-bye.